Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to takesbyfans.com slash watch. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, However you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Monday, folks. We just saw so much action in week 15 go off yesterday in the NFL. And man, oh man, how crazy was the day. The Lions get their second win of the season over the Cardinals. Oh my goodness. So we're going to be breaking out all the action from yesterday. Uh, there's two games on tonight. So we'll kind of preview those as well and see if we like any picks there. Uh, you know, none of those games tonight are in our official picks. And we have not been doing good in our official picks this week. Jeez Louise. Um, truly not good at all. Uh, but we'll talk about that when we get to those games. Uh, but we'll see. If we can maybe find some good value now that we know all the Browns players that are playing and it's still not any of the good ones, so probably we'll be fading the Browns, but we'll kind of preview the two games on tonight as well. Um, we've got our NBA Daily 10, and then there is that Urban Meyer story we want to read because we get to hear from him after his firing and all those quotes. So, a ton to get to today on the show. So, let's start with the NBA Daily 10, and we got to stick to these 10 minutes. And I also want to see if we can make some money in the NBA. So, we got to go a little bit quickly in this, but here we go. 10 minutes on the clock. Next, next 10 minutes, uninterrupted basketball talk of what, just ha- of what just happened yesterday in the NBA in the 10 minutes start right now. Alrighty, so here we go. A handful of games on in the NBA last night and also a handful of games that got postponed. Pelicans 76ers postponed. Cavs Hawks postponed. Nuggets Nets postponed because of COVID. How truly unfortunate. But let's talk about the games that did get played yesterday. First one up, Heat at the Pistons and now the Heat are kind of losing maybe their little magic that they had. No Jimmy Butler, no Bam Adebayo and Everybody's still kind of playing up and still wanting to get the wins. And now it's starting to come down a little bit here. The Heat lose to the Pistons 190. For the Pistons, uh, anybody do great last night? Sadiq Bay got it done. 26 points, 4 rebounds. Killian Hayes, 11 points. Isaiah Stewart at the 5, 7 points, but 14 rebounds. And then Hamadio Diallo with the nice 15 points and 7 rebound production, able to uplift the Pistons over the Heat. Also, no Jeremy Grant, and they still get the win. Not a good look overall for the Heat. Who got it done for the Heat? Well, it was really just Max Struss off the bench with 24 big points he led the team in scoring and then Kyle Lowry with 19 points and 10 assists but everything else was lackluster Dwayne Dedman was the third leading scorer at the five of 11 points that's definitely not gonna get it done Duncan Robinson you know we need him definitely to be kind of the number one or number two scorer for this heat team with you know all the outs and uh, Duncan Robinson back to classic Duncan Robinson two of 10 from the three nothing great only six points so heat lose finally uh like they should have been doing without you know um 
uh, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, but uh, they've kind of been winning and kind of surprising us in some of the teams that they have beaten shorthanded. They're 5-5 five and five, uh, in their last 10, folks. That's pretty solid given what their kind of injury history has been for the last two weeks so far. So, shout out to the Heat. They try to keep it competitive. Unfortunately, lose last night 190. All right, next game up here is the Blazers at the Grizzlies, and the Blazers get back on track with uh, with the win last night. 105-100 win on the road over the Grizzlies. Damian Lillard got it done, 32 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Norman Powell still at the 3, filling in for C.J. McCollum. 28 points, 4 assists, and 3 rebounds. And honestly, when C.J. McCollum comes back, I really think I want Lillard and Powell still staying the 1 and 2. Maybe have C.J. McCollum play the 3, or maybe be even better have CJ McCollum come off the bench I don't think he would like to do that but maybe you've got to do something to try to figure out how to win with this Blazers team you haven't been able to win your classic way that you've been hard strong on headstrong on the last three years three four five years here in Portland it's not working out you traded for Norman Powell you know at the back end of last season and it's really starting to look like Norman Powell's way more consistent at the two than CJ McCollum is and Damian Lillard and Norman Powell looking real good playing off of each other so I think this is the way to go we'll see how long they keep it up when CJ McCollum comes back but Damian Lillard 32 points 5 assists 5 rebounds Norman Powell 28 points 4 assists 3 rebounds Nurchich at the 5 9 points 11 rebounds Larry Nance Jr. at the 4 only 2 points on 3 shots but he did have 11 rebounds we will take that off the bench, they had Robert Covington with 13 big old points, and Anthony Simons, not efficient, 9 points on 22%, but we'll still take the 9. He was a plus 13 on the floor. We'll definitely give him credit for that. And then for the Grizzlies, still no John Morant. Now the Grizzlies losing like they should. Heat losing like they should shorthanded. Grizzlies losing like they should shorthanded. No John Morant still. Tyus Jones filling in at the one. Only five points, five assists. That's nothing John Morant does. Uh, the leading scorer was Dylan Brooks, and he had a fantastic game. 37 points, 4 of 10 from the 3, 48% on 25 shots. We'll give him that. But everything else was a little bit lackluster for the Grizzlies last night. So Blazers get back. Back on track with a nice win, 105-100. Alright, next game up here, Spurs at the Kings, and the Kings get the nice 7-point win, 121-114 over the Spurs last night. Uh, you know, Buddy Heald in the starting lineup because all their starters really weren't playing, so Buddy Heald in the starting lineup, 29 points, led the team in scoring, 7 of 9 from the 3, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, getting it done in every facet of the game last night. Looking really good, and potential trade meet here, we'll see, uh, you know, what they do we're still not really sure. It seems like they want to trade Buddy Heald, but so far he has not been traded, and we know you know, the trade deadline is still a little ways away. But Buddy Heald getting it done for the Kings last night. Tyrese Halliburton also a fantastic job. 27 points, 11 assists, and then Damian Jones off the bench. 23 big old points, so no Davian Mitchell. None of their De'Aaron Fox or their other guards or anything like that, and the Kings still get the win behind Buddy Heald. And then for the Spurs, just, uh, you know, we had DeJounte Murray, 25 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. He played great, but everything else just kind of coming up a little bit small here. Second leading scorer was Lonnie Walker with 19 points, and he shot really well, 50% on 16 shots. Just unfortunately come up a little bit short against the Kings. 
Then we get the Lakers at the Bulls, and the Bulls get the win. And without Anthony Davis, folks, this Lakers team, they're not going to get it done because they don't have that big beef replacement. Is DeAndre Jordan as good as... Anthony Davis, of course not, folks. DeAndre Jordan, 9.7 rebounds. He was a minus 7 on the floor, and that was the worst plus minus of the Lakers, tied with Rajon Rondo off the bench of also being a minus 7. Got to get better bigs. And LeBron, you know, you know, he's old. He can't play the 5 here, you know, for 2 months. Are we looking like 2 months or 2 weeks for, for Anthony Davis being out? We can't really sacrifice LeBron James getting body uh, banged up down low at the five. So LeBron still playing the three, 31 points, 14 rebounds, played really well. Didn't shoot well from the three, one of seven, but everything else was really good. Uh, then we had Russell Westbrook, 20 points, eight assists, nine rebounds. He did have six turnovers, but still only a minus two on the floor. Not that bad overall. Then Carmelo Anthony getting it done off the bench with 21 points and five rebounds, a big production by him. Unfortunately, just come up a little bit small. They also have Trevor Ariza. Uh, for their big, but come on, folks. He's aging out of this league as well. Tra Trevor Ariza off the bench, three points, one rebound. Like, are we going to believe in that? Of course not. So, no bad ability, no buyability in this Lakers team as long as Anthony Davis is out. The Bulls, now let's talk about them. They get the win. DeMar DeRozan. And can we give some respect to DeMar DeRozan because he's the most consistent, best player on this Bulls team. And we know the Bulls have the big four, Lonzo Ball, Vucevic, DeMar DeRozan, and then Zach Levine. And uh, DeMar DeRozan is the one getting it done the most consistent. So we give him the most credit. DeMar DeRozan, 38.6 assists, four rebounds. Fantastic. Vucevic down low, 19 points, 13 rebounds. Alex Caruso filling in for Zach Levine at the two. 17 points and nine rebounds. That was a great game by that man. Give Alex Caruso a ton of credit for filling in and stepping up. And then Lonzo Ball having a really solid night. 19 points, four assists, four rebounds, three of nine from three. 46% on 15 shots. The big kind of, the big three substitute Alex Caruso in. All got it done last night. Honorary big four Alex Caruso. We'll give him that nod. So the Bulls get the win. One 15 110. Then we get the Mavericks at the Timberwolves. No Luka Doncic for the Mavericks. Krista Porzingis tries to do it all himself, but he didn't even rise to the occasion himself. How unfortunate. Krista Porzingis, 13 points and three rebounds, but he shot 22% on nine shots. That's nothing that great. Tim Hardaway Jr. getting it done, 28 points, led the team in scoring, six assists, six rebounds. Dorian Finney Smith with another 23 points as well. Unfortunately, that was just not enough for the Timberwolves. The big three, did they play? D'Angelo Russell, yes, 22 points, three assists. Carl Anthony Towns, yes, 24 points, seven rebounds, six assists. Unfortunately, no Anthony Edwards last night, and they still get the win. Uh, we had Patrick Beverly, 10 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Jaden McDaniels off the bench with 12 points, and then Jalen Noel off, also off the bench with 16 points, helping overcome that lack of uh, scoring production that they didn't have with Anthony Edwards out there on the floor last night. Timberwolves get the home win, 111-105.
105. And then the last game of the night, the Hornets at the Suns, and the Suns blow out the Hornets, 137-106. Devin Booker finally back here for the Suns. 16 points, 5 assists, 6 rebounds in his initial return. You love to see it. Uh, he was actually the second leading scorer alongside McCall Bridges with 16 points. DeAndre Ayton, 15 points, 15 rebounds. Chris Paul, 14 points, 9 assists. Off the bench, Cameron Payne, 11 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. Cameron Johnson, 12 points, 4 rebounds. JaVale McGee, 19.7 rebounds. Landry Shamit, 15 points. So everybody, like we know, all getting it done, all contributing here for the Suns. And that's why they were so good without Devin Booker for that little stretch that he missed. The Suns, still the number one team in the NBA at 24 and 5, 8 and 2 in their last 10, three game losing, uh, three game winning streak, and just got Devin Booker back. That is our 10 minutes, but we've got a tad more to do, so let's finish up here. So everybody getting it done for the Suns last night, and then for the Hornets, LaMelo Ball back, 9 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, solid night by him. Miles Bridges led the team in scoring by far, 26 points, and uh, just everything else was a little lackluster shooting. Terry Rozier, 4 points on 10 shots. That's not never going to get it done. Mason Plumlee, we know he's not the big scorer, doesn't really take that many shots, but still only had 4 points on 3 shots. And then Gordon Hayward, 9 points on 13 shots. They got some nice bench contribution from P.J. Washington, 13 points, and Kelly Oubre Jr., 18 points, but overall, we need more consistency from that starting lineup. So, Suns get the dominant blowout win, 137-106. All right, I want to quickly, quickly take a look. Any great value jumping off the page here in the NBA tonight? I know we can make money in the NFL, but uh, let's see if we can bet on the NBA. We haven't been able to kind of really talk and bet the NBA in the last couple of days here on the show, just not having enough time. Truly unfortunate. So let's see if we get anything great popping off the screen. Want to go through? Want to go over this quickly? So here we go. This is what we got tonight: 76ers at the Celtics. 76ers plus three. Celtics minus three. Interesting. For the 76ers, we get Danny Green, a game-time decision. Georges Niang is out. Joel Embiid, a game-time decision. Firkin Korkmaz, game-time decision. Tyrese Maxey, game-time decision. A lot of question marks there. For the Celtics, Al Horford is out, so they're going to be lacking in the big department. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, game-time decision. Jason Tatum, game-time decision. So, a lot of, too many question marks here. We'll stay away from it. Staying away from this game. Next game, Rockets at the Bulls. Bulls just came off a really good win. We don't bet the back-to-backs. We'll stay away from this one. Thunder Grizzlies. Grizzlies on the back-to-back. We stay away from that. Hornets. Jazz. Hornets on the back-to-back. And we know the Jazz are really good. So Jazz minus 11.5 is looking appetizing, but we don't bet the back-to-backs. Maybe LaMelo Ball goes off because he's back in the back-to-back. We'll see. We'll stay away from it. Then we get the Kings and the Warriors. Warriors minus 12.5. And the Kings just played last night. We talked about the Kings today. No? Yeah, Buddy Heald getting it done. Buddy Heald probably comes off again this game. We can't bet that. No, got to stay away from that. And then the last game, the Spurs and the Clippers, and the Spurs are on the back-to-back, so we're not betting any games today. So I guess we made that really easy for ourselves. If if we'll, we'll throw this one out there, we're not officially going to take this one, but we do kind of endorse it. Jazz minus 11.5. We know they're very, very deep. This Hornets team, they're good. They're okay. They're good. They're okay, right? So if you want to take the minus 11.5 here with the Jazz, Hornets on the back-to-back, they're on the road. Jazz deep as heck can probably get it done. We would endorse that if y'all want to kind of bet something in the NBA today. We do endorse Jazz minus 11.5.
Alrighty, that is all the NBA that we had to go to go over for today. So let's shift gears to the NFL and get this story out of the way, and then we'll start breaking out all the action that we saw yesterday during that glorious Sunday of football. So here we go. Urban Meyer tells all Urban Meyer's side of the story, his quotes, why he's such a garbage coach, why he is such a non-motivator. We hear it all from the horse's mouth here of why. And it's kind of seeming from the first quote, on the tweet that he's just such a competitor. He just loves winning so much. He's an asshole and will not apologize for getting the wins. All righty. All right. Let's see what this man is truly saying here. So former Jaguars coach Urban Meyer discusses his firing, apologizes to Jacksonville saying, quote, losing eats away at your soul. Once you start losing, it's hard on everybody. So once again, it's Urban Meyer saying, hey, I'm a true competitor. I've got such a competitive spirit that once the losing starts to happen, I just start seeing red and I go manic and I start kicking and physically assaulting grown men. Folks, we said this all the time when we've been talking about this whole Urban Meyer um, saga from the beginning of why we didn't even think he would make a good coach in the beginning. Because Urban Meyer coaching, and once again, I don't want to call college age people kids because they're not. I was there. I never wanted to be a called a kid in college. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm in college. I'm getting that education, which everybody, you know, kind of says, hey, this is what you got to do in life. And I was taking on debt. Grownups take on debt. You're going to call me a kid in college taking on debt? No, you better give me some respect. So we are going to respect the kind of college athletes. They're not kids. Uh, you know, they're young adults, young men, but coaching young college age men is 1000% different from coaching actual grown men with wives and families and kids and other nonsense to deal with other than sports. Now, once again, you get paid millions of dollars. We get it. That's your job. But still, at the end of the day, it is still kind of a sport. It is still kind of a little bit of a luxury. Yes, you get paid for it because it's a great skill and you bring in, you know, viewers and money and revenue. So that's what the high, you know, price is. But at the end of the day, it is football. It is a sport. And that is not the main focus of these players' lives. Maybe some of, some of them, the ones that are going for the greatest of all time, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady seems to take it, you know, probably probably the most serious out of all the players you know, doing the right things on their off time, not partying, you know, and there's players that, you know, do care about winning and want to get into the Hall of Fame and be the best of the best, and there are some players that are like, yeah, you know, this is good, but I'm here to collect a check, so, you know, you've got to, you know, you've got to know that you're coaching all these different personalities in the way that Urban Meyer coaches, physically, uh, you know, assaulting his kickers, you know, calling out all of his coaches all the time, that's just not the way you coach in the NFL, we've never seen any coach do that and have success so why would urban meyer be the exception to the rule of course he wouldn't so uh let's read all of these quotes here i don't really care about the re lead ups to the quotes we've we, we've read enough about urban meyer and what he's done and all that so we're just going to skim through the quotes here i just want to hear what urban meyer is saying and what he his words he's putting to his actions and all that so here we go let's start reading some Ur urban meyer quotes these are all new after he got fired over the last couple of days so let's uh see what this man is truly saying so quote here by urban meyer quote 
I just apologize to Jacksonville. I love Jacksonville. It's one of the reasons I took the job. And we know he loves Jacks. Oh, no, that was in Cleveland. Never mind. I was going to make another lap dancing joke, but all right, we're over it. Um, I just apologize to Jacksonville. I love Jacksonville. It's one of the reasons I took the job. I still think Shad's a great owner. It's heartbreaking. I just had a dream of it becoming a destination place with a new facility he agreed to build and someday to walk into that stadium where it's standing room only because I know how bad the people of Jacksonville want it. So I'm just heartbroken that we weren't able to do that. I still believe it's going to be done. It's too good of a place. So Urban Meyer thought he was going to come in here, be, you know, the Bill Belichick of Jacksonville, and they were going to bring Super Bowls and titles, and Jacksonville Stadium was going to be packed full of attendance week in and week out because of Urban Meyer. So already right off the bat, we know he was delusional coming into this job, okay? All right, let's keep going here. Another quote, quote, I tell people losing eats away at your soul. Once you start losing, it's hard on everybody. I thought at one point when we won two out of three games, there was some momentum, great energy. The defense was really playing well. We were running the ball. And then when that dried up on us, then we started turning the ball over. We had that bye week and then James Robinson got hurt and then you never played him again and all that. So Urban Meyer thought, hey, you know, once you start winning, it just comes easy peasy. No, you've got to keep it up. You've got to keep actively coaching. Maybe Urban Meyer took a couple of games off. He was like, oh, I figured it out. I've got the blueprint. Maybe a little, little, a little bit like us, you know, how last week we killed it in the betting game. And now we kind of got humbled this week. You know, we were a little bit too big for our britches and we got humbled. Urban Meyer got a little bit too big for his britches there, you know, two, three games and, you know. Now, we see what happens. You're fired a couple of weeks later. All right, another quote here. Quote, someone asked me about Vrabel's handshake. We're really close. And we talked about that, you know, the game after the Titans, they got blown out 20 to nothing. Uh, you know, Urban Meyer, you know, just kind of casually shakes his hand, doesn't even look at him, doesn't look at him in the eye and just kind of passes him off. So this is what he's talking about here. Back to the quote. Quote, someone asked me about Vrabel's handshake. We're really close. That had nothing to do with him. That's probably one of my issues. Why I thought some of the things I said, I can't take losing. I tried to accept it it just eats away at my soul and I believe our players deserve better so once again everything that Urban Meyer has said done physically it is all with losing it's just because he's losing that's why he's a garbage person because he's losing and it just brings out it brings it out in him he tries to stomach it folks he tries to stomach it and he just can't stomach it and it all comes out it's like venom it just releases out of Urban Meyer once he starts losing it losing and losing and losing he's got to take his anger out on somebody it honestly sounds like you have anger issues when things aren't going your way and you get mad you act out don't kind of hide that behind the guise of losing in competition and nfl and football and all that urban okay so I'm not buying that Urban Meyer is just so passionate about winning and he wants the best out of everybody and he believes truly to his core that his players deserve so much better that he will do 
anything to win games. I'm not buying that, folks. Yes, everybody loves competition. Everybody hates losing. Do you see Bill Belichick smacking players around? Of course not. Please save us, Urban Meyer. There's been high-level winning in the league way before you. You're not some profit. You're not the biggest brain competitive IQ out there um, that you, know, you, you handle and process losing so much more differently and so much in an artistic way way that you're kind of like the Van Gogh of coaching. Please spare us, Urban Meyer. Please, please spare me. I'm not buying any of this garbage. All right, what else do we got here? Another quote. Quote, it was like, wait a minute. Where is this coming from? I've certainly made a few mistakes, but those weren't right. Let's go back. Let's see what he's talking about here. To NFL.com, Meyer said the incident with Jones was not accurately portrayed. Jones spoke out on the argument. So that's the argument inside the locker room that kind of got blown up and that he kind of had to leave and all that. So once again, Urban Meyer says, quote, it was like, wait a minute. Where is this coming from? I've certainly made a few mistakes, but those weren't right. All right, and then after benching Robinson, we get a quote here. We discussed it as a staff. When you see someone lose the ball or even see them be loose with the ball, get them out of the game, get their mind right, and then get them back in. When he fumbled, I said, take him out. We took him out, and then we had a lack of communication about when to put him back in. Now, this is like the only pass that we are giving Urban Meyer. We never harped on Urban Meyer as much as everybody else about the benching of James Robinson. Nobody accepts fumbling, folks. You know, even Bill Belichick, Ramondre Stevenson fumbled against the Colts and didn't even lose it this last week. And they still kind of lowered his overall production for the rest of the game based on that one not even lost fumble. So I've got no problem with Urban Meyer benching a running back for fumbling. That's the thing that we don't that we don't weigh any, that we don't put into our criticisms of Urban Meyer. It's everything else. It's all the abusive and verbally and emotionally and physically abusive stuff that he's doing over here. That's the stuff that we've got a problem with. All right, another... Um Quote here by Urban Meyer, Meyer was asked if he believes in Lawrence, if Lawrence will be a successful pro. Urban Meyer says, quote, he's going to be great. He's 22 years old, thrust into a place that lost 15 straight games, thrusted into a place with a maniac as a head coach. You should also add that in there. But back to his actual words, he had some devastating injuries to his offensive skill guys. DJ Chark went down, Travis Etienne, then Jamal Agnew, and then uh tight end Dan Arnold. Those are all our fast guys, and we had enough talent. I'm not blaming that, but we had to be more creative. I just think we could have done better, but there is zero doubt Trevor is going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. Well, they just had uh, 23% third down conversion this week. I don't know about that. Um... What else do we get here? Um... Another quote here. What do we got? Um... Here we go. After a tumultuous week, Jaguars players met the media on Thursday to discuss the firing. Lawrence wished Meyer the best and said he appreciated the work done, but said, quote, some changes needed to be made. This was the quote by Lawrence. We don't need to read that. We've already read that. Uh, then we get a quote by Daryl Bevel. We don't care about that. We're just looking for Urban Meyer quotes. Anything else here? Is this Urban Meyer? Who's saying this? Who is saying this quote right here? Um, all right, that seems like Daryl Bevel again. All right, here we go. Urban Meyer. Uh, the last second win over the Dolphins says, quote, 
We won that sucker in London. It was like we won the Super Bowl for those guys. Then we came back after a 31-7 loss to Seattle and beat the Bills 9-6. And it was like, okay, here we go. The defense was hanging in there and offense was making strides. And then after that, we couldn't score. I mean, we couldn't score. And yeah, we've been talking about that actively. This Jaguars team, they can't move the ball consistently. They can't score consistently. So instead of Urban Meyer trying to come up with an actual game plan and outreaching to his coach, Coaches, he decided to berate them and harass them and demand a PowerPoint presentation about why uh, they're good coaches and what they've done on their active coaching resume. So instead of just looking for answers, he's belittling everybody else and nobody's going to, you know, when you get put down, does that make you want to kind of get better and try? No, you're you're resenting that coach. You'll be like, oh, that, uh, that dude doesn't think I can do it. Like, well, then I'm not going to do it. Like, you're, you're actively putting me down you're actively thinking like I'm a garbage a joke of a coach and all that so I'm I, I've got nothing to impress you with I, I what, what what's my motivation to impress you to make you like me to make you kind of talk to me like an actual human being that's what it's gonna take I'm not buying that I'm not playing that game what else do we get here by Urban Meyer quote you push people really hard to find their greatness, but you treat them like gold. I thought that's what we were going to do, and we we were going to win. It was really good for a while. It was really good for a while until it wasn't, because once again, winning cures everything, but then once everything starts to lose, and you're losing, even Urban Meyer even said it, he couldn't stomach it, and then he unleashed on the entire team, and we all saw how they all responded to that. They didn't really like that. Once again, because because these are grown men. These aren't young adults in college, folks. All right, let's, uh, this is the last, um, well, we get two more, one big one, one small one, so here we go. One more quote here by Urban Meyer says, quote, I think college has changed quite a bit too. Just society has changed. And now he's going to blame society for his own, you know, maniac behavior. Here it is. I think college has changed quite a bit too. Just society has changed. You think how hard you pushed. I believe there is greatness in everybody, and it's the coach's job to find that greatness however you do that positive encouragement pushing them to be greater making them work harder identifying flaws and trying to fix them I think everything is so fragile right now here we go he's blaming the fragility of society I think everything is so fragile right now and that includes coaching staffs when I got into coaching uh, you know back in my day in, you know in 1970 when I got into coaching you could beat the f fuck out of your players you could absolutely tear their helmet off give them a one-two punch and say get better you pussy boy you can say that to them and nobody blinked an eye and then they would go out there and not get any better and then you'd be having the same you know argument and discussion the following week and also back in urban meyer's day you could say all that uh, back to the quote, pushing them to be greater, making them work harder, identifying flaws and trying to fix them. I think everything is so fragile right now, and that includes coaching staffs. When I got into coaching, coaches weren't making this kind of money, and they didn't have agents. Everything is so fragile. So Urban Meyer is saying, hey, I get paid all this money. I can hit these guys. I can verbally, verbally abuse these people because I'm getting paid millions of dollars. Everything is so fragile right now, right, guys? Uh, when 
I got into coaching, coaches weren't making this kind of money and they didn't have agents. Everything is so fragile where it used to be team, team, team. I remember talking about it in a staff meeting three days ago. I got into this profession because I had the greatest high school coach and it was all about team, all about the huddle. And then I found I loved the players. I love seeing players develop, seeing Michael Thomas go from Michael Thomas to being the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. And my gosh, Rudy Ford, who everyone told us couldn't play. He's a great player. Dwayne Smoot, Cam Robinson. There was a narrative about those two players. They are as good of people, as good of players as I've ever coached. I've always thought there was greatness in people. It's our job to find that. So that's all Urban Meyer was trying to do, folks. Oh, we got it wrong. Everybody else got it wrong. He was just trying to get the best out of his players, and that's how he knew how to do it. Kicking the kickers, verbally abusing the coaching staff, getting into arguments with your players, and having your players storm out because they can't even respect you of what you're saying and what your criticisms are. Benching your best players and not letting them get back into the game. That's what Urban Meyer was trying to do. Urban Meyer is just a misunderstood genius, folks. Oh, fools on me for calling this man out and saying that this man's a bad coach. I'm wrong. We're wrong. He's the greatest coach of all time, folks. How could we be so blinded? We forgot three wins is good. We forgot three wins is good in the NFL. Man, oh man, Bill Belichick is the worst coach of all time. We're foolish. It's Urban Meyer. He's the greatest, right, folks? So, we're done with Urban Meyer, thank goodness. I hope he doesn't return to Fox because I can't even, I, 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 I don't even really want to watch this dude anymore. I'm kind of done. I'm over this man of what we've seen uh, him do in the NFL, truly over it. He doesn't understand the game. He doesn't respect the game. Yes, you had success in college. Congratulations in a non-salary cap thing where your brand is everything and that attracts the best players. Congratulations, Urban Meyer, you won. You won when the uh, playing field was is never even with the the playing field is even in the NFL because there is a salary cap everybody has the same amount of money congratulations Urban Meyer you won in an unfair college unbalanced system congratulations Urban Meyer you truly are a very very great coach we apologize for ever doubting you congratulations you are the greatest to ever do it that's all you wanted to hear right that's what you've heard we're telling you now please never bother the NFL and any capacity ever again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, we're done with Urban Meyer, folks, and I'm just so surprised that this story is not getting more attention and why people aren't going more harsh on Urban Meyer. I don't get it. Maybe, you know, the media loves him, and that's why nobody's truly drilling Urban Meyer, but I mean, folks, he didn't even make it a year, folks. How many coaches don't even make it a year? Obviously, this, this what has been going on in the locker room, maybe there's even more potentially to come out because now the Jaguars are kind of holding back all the money 
that they kind of, you know, signed on the contract that was in the contract. They're kind of saying, hey, we don't owe him that money anymore. And, you know, so we'll see if any more information here comes out on Urban Meyer. But for the Jaguars to truly not pay him that contract, it truly seems like, you know, their lawyers are kind of confident in their ability to defend that stance of not having to pay Urban Meyer his contract. So we'll see if anything comes out. Um, what we've heard, I'm sure there's more. I mean, I doubt we've heard everything that Urban Meyer has done wrong as a head coach here in Jacksonville. But man, oh man, folks, I think he's getting away a little too easy out here. Uh, not not to us. We, we, we've been on this, man. But it's just kind of strange that nobody else in the national media is kind of going more in on Urban Meyer. It's kind of weird. But it's interesting. We'll just leave it as, at that it is interesting um, that people are not clowning Urban Meyer, knocking Urban Meyer more than what they are now. Alrighty, that is all we had to kind of touch on for the story, so now we can finally start breaking down all the games that we saw from yesterday in the NFL of Week 15. Now, Week 15 is still not over. We still have four games left, folks. Two on today, Monday, today at 5 p.m., Raiders at the Browns. We'll talk about this uh, game a little bit more after we're done breaking down the games, and then we get Vikings and Bears tonight, 8-15, and then the two games tomorrow, Seahawks at Rams, 7 o'clock and also Washington and Eagles at 7 o'clock as well. So four more games to go over. We'll break down those games uh, the following day, but let's start on the Sunday slate of games that we just all watched yesterday. So let's start with the first game up here. Cowboys at the Giants, folks. And man, oh man, once again, that walk of fame defense truly getting it done here for Dallas. All the turnovers, um, all the pressures on the quarterback of Mike Glennon, the quarterback. Once again, no Daniel Jones for the Giants. So this Cowboys defense, uh, we had... um, Dorrance Armstrong, a half a sack. We had Neville Gallimore, a half a sack. We had Demarcus Lawrence with the tackle for loss, getting the pressure on Mike Glennon. And then the three interceptions by Mike Glennon, all by that Cowboys defense. And even Saquon Barkley fumbled one. So four big turnovers by the Cowboys. But this is where we're starting to get even more concerned with the Cowboys. Four turnovers, and you only put up 21 points. We're starting to get truly concerned with this Cowboys offense. It must be way, way more consistent than it has been. Even last week, we were concerned because they got out to that great start offensively, defensively, and then they did nothing for the second half and let Washington come back and almost win. Kind of almost the same thing here. If the Giants had some sort of competent offense, which we know they don't have not even with Daniel Jones and not even after getting rid of uh, you know um, uh, Jason Garrett and all that we knew Freddie Kitchens was not the guy he's coaching this team to six points and I get it Mike Glennon I get it folks but still at the end of the day you still must get it done it's it's, it falls on you the offense coordinator the coaches it falls on the quarterbacks it falls on the players actively out there to get it done no excuses nobody makes excuses in the NFL as a coach you've just got to go out there and get it done and the Giants have not been doing that 
but back to this Cowboys offense here. Uh, let's see what they did on the turnovers. First interception came on the first drive for the Giants. No surprise there. Now they took that down and scored a touchdown, but they started at the Giants' 13-yard line. So great starting field position, and that's seven points out of their 21 right on the uh, – how, how much time we got left here in the first quarter? Uh, six minutes left there in the first quarter. Uh, second turnover resulted into three points by the Cowboys, so that's 10. Uh, they started at the Giants' 46-yard line. So once again, great starting field position. They were able to score some points, but still at the end of the day, it is only three, not the seven. Uh, third turnover here by the Giants results into a punt of the Cowboys because they have to start at their own 25-yard line. Uh, then we get another interception. The Cowboys have to start at their own 20-yard line, get no points out of it. So out of the four turnovers, they only scored 10 points, and that's nothing that's giving us any great confidence in this Cowboys team. They only put up 11 points overall when they kind of had to go and drive the length of the field, didn't get gifted great starting field position, and this is way too much of a talented roster of this Cowboys team to be this lackluster offensively consistent consistently here so big time concerns here for the Cowboys we are uh, once again completely overhauling our power rankings tomorrow once we kind of see everything because we're in the last kind of stretch here, the last four weeks of the NFL. We start to saw week one of the last four weeks this week. So we got three more games, three more weeks. Uh, so we're going to kind of rearrange our power rankings tomorrow, reflecting what we've been kind of seeing the entire season and going for the last three weeks, truly, you know, obviously being the most important because, you know, a playoff pushing, everybody's kind of in the mix of it. So this is when we have to see teams' best, most consistent football. And for the Cowboys, we're not getting that. So we're a little concerned so far on this Cowboys team heading into the final three weeks. And that's not what we wanted to be. Not where we wanted to be with this Cowboys team. Um, now, yesterday on our pregame show, we set one bar. There was only kind of one team, one player that we really needed to see a performance out of for us to, you know, start to rebuy them. And that's Dak Prescott. Once again, everybody's throwing around the word slump uh, last week and starting to kind of say that word again today. Uh, we called it a little bit of a tumble. We didn't want to go as severe as a slump. We called what Dak Prescott. Scott is going through a tumble, and we set a bar, a bar for Dak Prescott yesterday on the show, our pregame show before the game was played, of what we needed to see out of Dak Prescott to officially declare him out of that tumble state, out of that slump state, whatever you want to call it. So this was our bar on Dak Prescott that we set for him. We said we wanted a full four quarters of good, good quarterback play, and as we see, we did not get that. Barely didn't score in the fourth quarter barely were putting up points resulting resulted turnovers resulting in points really that was it so we didn't get that so right off the rip he did not achieve our bar but we've got other criteria here we wanted to see 68 percent completion percentage let's see did he achieve that Dak Prescott last night went 28 of 37 let's see we get 75 percent so that's good he hits that mark that's one mark there's four marks five marks total he hit one so far 
Um, next mark is 300 plus passing yards. He had only 217. Once again, if he didn't get that great starting field position, this game probably would have been a whole lot more different. So did not get that only 217 yards. Then we wanted to see two touchdowns and no turnovers. He had one passing touchdown, no rushing touchdown. So that's only one touchdown. He didn't have any interceptions, but he did lose a fumble. Dak Prescott fumbled here in the fourth quarter and luckily for Dak Prescott it resulted into an interception by Mike Glennon because we know Mike Glennon cannot get it done so uh, bailed out of the one turnover so Dak Prescott is still tumbling here folks and we'll wrestle with it we'll still decide if we go we upgrade that tumble word to the an official slump word but so far we're still keeping it a tumble here for Dak Prescott in the Cowboys offense so Dak Prescott, 28 of 37, 217 yards, one touchdown, no pick. Running game was good, and it's always good. We love this rushing game. Tony Pollard back, and we love that about this team uh, this week because Tony Pollard was back. Tony Pollard, 12 rushes for 74 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, 16 rushes for 52 yards and a touchdown. Running back by committee. A little bit of thunder and lightning out here. You love to see it, and it got the job done. Who is Dak Prescott slinging the ball to? We have Dalton Schultz. Once again, we love Dalton Schultz for this team. Uh, great tight end and one of the top five tight ends in the league, we would say. Dalton Schultz, eight catches, 67 yards, a touchdown. CeeDee Lamb, nine targets, six catches, 50 yards. We'll break down Dak and CeeDee Lamb's connection to see if it's gotten any better. It was okay. Could have been better. Once again, those kind of ad-lib plays not kind of being as good as they really need to be their chemistry has got to get a little bit better here still need it to be better than what it is Michael Gallup three catches 32 yards Jeremy Spinkle Sprinkle two catches 21 yards Ezekiel Elliott three catches 20 yards Tony Pollard three catches 13 yards and Amari Cooper getting locked down two catches for eight yards all right, and then for the Giants, Mike Lennon still at the quarterback position for why um, it's changing this week, which is good. Uh, Mike Lennon goes 13 of 24. Uh, what do we got here? 54%, nothing good there at all. 99 yards, no touchdowns, three picks, absolutely not good. And then they bring in Drake Fromm, 6 of 12, 50%, completion percentage, 82 yards, no touchdown, no pick. He did not fumble either, so no turnovers from Drake Fromm. I guess that is a step in the right direction here for the Giants. Rushing game for the Giants was okay. Devontae Booker, eight rushes for 74 yards. Saquon Barkley, 15 rushes for 50 yards. Kind of exactly what we just saw from the Cowboys. So solid production here. Running back by committee. We'll take it. And then who were these quarterbacks slinging the ball to? We had Kenny Galladay, leading receiver for the Giants. Three catches, 53 yards. Evan Ingram, four catches, 33 yards. Saquon Barkley, four catches, 24 yards. And he had one of the best catches of the, of the day, folks. Caught it like with three fingertips, one-handed, reaching all the way behind him. Fantastic. Uh, we'll probably shout that out on a Wednesday show. Darius Slayton, two catches, 23 yards. Colin Johnson, one catch, 16 yards. And Sterling Shepard, two catches for 15 yards. At the end of the day, the Giants score two field goals. You're not winning while doing that. So the Cowboys get the big win, 21 to 6. We're still not loving the Cowboys, folks. You know, the beginning, you know, middle part of the season, this Cowboys team was rivaling number one, number two in our power rankings every single week. But this offense has really not been evolving, getting any better and it's kind of you know leaving a bad taste in our mouth overall 
And then the last thing to talk about here, Joe Judge said the Giants will, quote, open up a conversation about starting Jake Fromm in Week 16 versus the Eagles. This is what we've been asking for for this Giants team. Without Daniel Jones, all right, it doesn't matter who you start. Mike Glennon makes no sense to start because we know what Mike Glennon is. Nothing good. He's a backup that probably doesn't give you any good chance of winning a game. Jake Fromm, rookie quarterback. See what this man can do. He's never kind of had an opportunity to do it. Or Jake Fromm's not a rookie. Uh, you know, one, two, three years in, but it's never got a never got a starting anywhere, a starting job anywhere. So put that man out there. See if you can see if you can do anything. First of all, and then that could kind of upgrade his dra- uh, trade stock all that so you can do something next year when you're probably kind of cleaning house coaching wise so we'll see what the Giants start to do with Jake Fromm and all that but uh, either way there's no chance that this Giants team wins any games for the rest of the year so that's where we're at Cowboys get the win 21 to 6 over the Giants all right, next game up here is the Texans at the Jaguars. One of our official picks of the week, Jaguars minus three and a half, and the Jaguars let us down big time here. They get blown out 30-16 to 16 over the Texans. Now, shout out to the Texans and Davis Mills for getting the job done. We'll give them credit for that. But what the hell is going on with the Jaguars? Now you just gave Urban Meyer the last the last laugh this Jaguars team look exactly like the same Jaguars team that Urban Meyer was coaching so nobody rose to the occasion nobody was obviously that outraged of what Urban Meyer was doing in the locker room because if you were you would have you know done whatever it took to win this game at home against the Texans that's the most winnable opponent that you've really had all season and you beat the Bills this year you couldn't rise to the occasion for one week Trevor Lawrence Lawrence is still looking really, really not good. And once again, the such piss poor uh, third down efficiency. Jacksonville Jaguars, 21% on third down. Not moving the ball, not keeping the drive alive. That's what we've seen all year long with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We put that on Trevor Lawrence. And now we really just have to put this on the entire Jags team now of not getting it done and rising to the occasion. So the Jaguars get blown out. They didn't look good. They only scored one touchdown the entire game, settling for field goals. Once again, not picking up the third down and let Davis Mills throw all over you. Absolutely pathetic out here. So, uh, we're writing off the Jaguars completely for the rest of the season. We're Like we said, we're truly taking these last four weeks, you know, for rookie quarterbacks and teams just in general. This is a time to put everything that you've learned. You had an entire season so far. What have you learned? What can you do as a team? Can you be competitive? And can you be any sort of uh, consistency at all? And so far, the Jaguars checked no on every single one of those boxes. So... Jaguars are continued trash and will be talked about so for the rest of the year. Truly unfortunate. Let's start here with the Texans since they got the win. And they started off real good. Touchdown on the first drive. Touchdown on the second drive. Getting out to that big, hot start. And then the scoring really for the rest of the game went down a little bit. But overall, the Texans did enough to get the win. So we give them the credit. 
So let's start here with Davis Mills. Davis Mills, he had a great game. Best game of his uh, rookie year last week. Did he get better this week? Let's see. He went 19 of 30 for 63% completion percentage. We'll give him credit for that. 62 to 65, folks. He's in 63. We'll give it to him. 209 yards on 19 completions. Not really dinking and dunking. Two touchdowns. He did have an interception. Not great. Let's see where this pick came from by Davis Mills. Pick came in the uh, start of the fourth quarter, it looks like, and they were at their own 17-yard line. And luckily for Davis Mills and the Texans, they only gave up three points by the Jaguars. So once again, the Jaguars not truly capitalizing on the turnovers, nothing good about this offense, classic Jaguars. So Davis Mills, not the best interception there, almost maybe let the Jaguars come back a little bit there. Uh, so definitely got to clean that up, but overall not bad here by Davis Mills. He was awful when he got the start, then Tyrod Taylor come back, came back, Davis Mills got benched, and it truly seems like Davis Mills has learned a lot from the benching, just kind of taking a step back, uh, kind of taking it all in and getting better. So for that, we truly applaud Davis Mills getting better at the back end of the season. That's what we want to see by every rookie. So far, Trevor Lawrence is not doing anything like that. One quarterback was taken first overall, and one was taken taking what third round come on folks Trevor Lawrence you've got to be so much better than this Rushing game by the Texans, we had Rex Burke had 16 rushes for 41 yards, and David Johnson, 6 rushes for 24 yards, so overall nothing great there by the Texans, we know their rushing game is not good, and not uh, not even a thing, it's really not even anything I would game plan for, I would just play the pass every single down, I would not even care if this Texans rushing game uh, picked up a couple of yards here and there, because it's not going to be impactful, so... Um, if you're looking for a defensive coordinator against the Texans here the last three weeks, that's your game plan right there. Just play the pass. That's all you got to do. All right, who was Davis Mills slinging this ball to? And this is what we love to see, Brandon Cooks, leading receiver. So he's going to his number one option out there. Love seeing that by the rookie. Brandon Cooks, leading receiver, seven catches for 102 yards, and he had two tugs. Give that man the credit. Philip Dorsett, two catches, 43 yards. Jordan Akins, two catches, 24 yards. Nico Collins, two catches, 14 yards. And Chris Conley, two catches for 12 yards, rarely using his running backs or tight ends in the passing game. Man, oh, man, Davis. Mills, he's strictly sticking to the receivers, and well, you got once again, you got to give him a little credit for that. So the Texans uh, do pretty solidly, consistently here, offensively, 30 points scored throughout the entire game. We give them credit. And then for the Jaguars, once again, just nothing good out here by anybody at all. Nobody coaching. How do you not win this game at home? I don't get it. How do you not rise to the occasion? Maybe Urban Meyer was right about all these coaches. That the, This is one of the worst coaching staffs ever assembled. But once again, you got to take a look at Urban Meyer for putting the coaching staff together. No? Uh, so maybe all these coaches are true losers and have never done anything meaningful in their coaching careers. Maybe Urban Meyer was right. All right, Trevor Lawrence goes 22 of 38, folks, 57%, absolutely atrociously garbage, 210 yards, dinking and dunking, no touchdown, trash, no interception, good, but you're not making, you're not even trying to, you know, air it out, you're not even making the kind of tighter throws needed to put up points and move the ball, once again, everybody loves to trash Tua, Tua didn't know what open was his rookie year, Trevor Lawrence isn't even 
been attempting to push the ball down the field. So, you know, y'all can still hate Tua. That's y'all's prerogative here. Y'all can love Trevor Lawrence. I'll take the winning quarterback, and that's Tua. He shows it every single week. All right, running game here for the Jaguars. James Robinson, they use him, and, you know, that was kind of obviously what they were going to do here because Urban Meyer sat the man, benched the man, so they actively used James Robinson. 18 rushes for 75 yards and a touchdown. Well done. Trevor Lawrence took off five times for 21 yards, and then that was really it. They just ran with James Robinson. That's all it is. No other really running back got into the mix at all. All right, who was Trevor Lawrence slinging the ball to? We had James O'Shaughnessy, four catches, 60 yards. Laquan Treadwell, six catches, 57 yards. LaVisca Chenault Jr., four catches, 39 yards. Marvin Jones, two catches, 14 yards. James Robinson, three catches, 13 yards. Tavon Austin, one catch, 11 yards. And Chris Manhurts, one catch for 11 yards. So overall, the Texans get the win here. Fantastic. We'll keep an eye on this Texans team as they progress for the final three weeks. Have they finally got it figured out? Is Davis Mills the question or is Davis Mills the answer is David Culley going to be a good head coach heading into next season that's kind of the only storyline we can watch for for the Texans for the remainder of the season where the Jaguars we just have to hope we see some sort of next step out of Trevor Lawrence and so far I don't think we're getting it so the Texans get the win 30 to 16 all right, next game up here, Titans at the Steelers, and really one of the only right picks that we hit all weekend long. How truly unfortunate for us, but our game day gut, folks, we've been focusing on our game day gut over the last two weeks. It started last week with us waking up on our pregame show, coming at you live, uh, noon Eastern on Sunday, telling you, hey, we're feeling really good about this. Seahawks offense. This was last week. And uh, we took three prop bets. It was like uh, Seahawks over like it, it was like over 13 and a half points in the first half. Uh, Russell Wilson over 250 passing yards and Seahawks over 25 and a half points for the entirety of the game. They hit all those prop bets. The offense was on fire. They get the win. They get all that. Our gut was right last week. Then we came at you live yesterday with another gut pick. We took the Steelers minus one and a half. Uh, we were just feeling good. We woke up feeling good about the Steelers. And that's exactly what happened. Steelers get the win 19 to 13. So you got to tune in every single day, folks. We're here every single day for reasons every single day. And in our pregame show, we give out our final best bets, last second best bets, and we give you our gut pick, folks. We may have another gut pick coming up for you about today's action. We're not going to force any gut pick. We'll see. Our, our gut was kind of, you know, telling us a little th something, you know, earlier this morning, uh, you know, waking up about the Browns news and and all that, but we got to see what those spreads are to see if our gut truly likes them. So we'll talk about those a little bit later in the show. But uh, the Steelers, they hang on and get the win 19 to 13. They cover the minus one and a half, all of that. Uh, but for this Titans team, we're a little kind of concerned with it. And this is why, you know, we can't buy Ryan Tannehill. He needed to get it done himself. And he just has not been able to do so. Ever since Derrick Henry went out, it really was on Ryan Tannehill to get the job done. To move the ball consistently. To pick up the first downs. To make the drives continue. Not have that garbage 
average third down efficiency, just like what we saw from the Jaguars last week. 23% on third down, absolutely atrocious. We need we needed Ryan Tannehill to step up big time, and so far he just has not. Uh, we had Ryan Tannehill, one interception. Everybody was fumbling. Ryan Tannehill fumbled twice, lost once. Anthony Fersker fumbled. Racy McMath fumbled. Yes, that's the man's name, Racy McMath, folks. Uh, this is not a K and Peel skit, folks, okay? Uh, so there's just nothing great here by this Texan, uh, Titans team. We need Tannehill to play way better than what he's been doing, not turning over the ball. And we need some more, uh, more consistency here in the offense. The rushing game is pretty solid. And that's the only green flag that we're giving with this Titans team. The running back by committee uh, without Derrick Henry obviously has been a nice bright spot that has been single-handedly getting better every single week. They got rid of Adrian Peterson because these two other running backs, Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard, and even kind of Jeremy McNichols are all getting it done. So for that, it's good. But now Ryan Tannehill is not... Not playing at the level needed uh, like he was playing with Derrick Henry. So nothing great here by the Titans. Not really kind of playoff true contenders. Uh, you know, we know that they are in the playoffs, but, you know, we'll know more about this Titans team when we talk about them on tomorrow's show when we kind of truly uh, rearrange entirely our power rankings. I don't think the Titans are going to get a fair shake in that, folks, or a high shake in that kind of overall final stretch of the season power rankings that we're unveiling tomorrow. Uh, but let's start here with the Titans. I mean, just got out to not the a uh, little bit of a good start. They put up 10 points in the first quarter. That was the best thing that they did. But then three games for the rest of the game, three points for the rest of the game because of the turnovers. They fumbled the start the second quarter, resulted in the three points for the Steelers. They punt, punt, first two drives out of halftime. Then they fumble, and that results into another three points for the Steelers. Then Ryan Tannehill throws an interception results in a three points for the Steelers and then who do we get fumbling here? Ryan Tannehill fumbles, and that results into three points for the Steelers. So just turnover, turnover, turnover. And the Titans defense was only holding the Steelers to three points out of all those turnovers. So the Titans defense was getting it done. But once again, it's that Titans offense, which is truly leaving the bad taste in our mouth of why there's really no buyability, bettability, believability. I would say there's a little believability because they still have a nice running attack here. But no buyability, no bettability in this Titans team. And it is truly unfortunate. Let's start here with Ryan Tannehill since we're talking the Titans, folks. And he had an awful game. He went 22 of 32, but only for 153 yards. That is dink and dunk to the max, folks. And that's what we know kind of Ryan Tannehill is. Ryan Tannehill is a little bit better than Baker Mayfield, folks. That's really all it is. And it's unfortunate. I don't get any pleasure in saying that. I like, you know, Ryan Tannehill. And I believe, you know, he deserves a lot more credit than what he's kind of been given over his entire career. Not too much more credit but a little bit more credit uh but it's just unfortunate what he's been doing here without Derrick Henry but here we go. Ryan Tannehill goes 23 of 32. 71% completion percentage. We'll give him that, but on 153 yards, we can't. Especially with no touchdown and an interception and a fumble. Ryan Tannehill's got to step it up majorly here, folks. Majorly.
All right, the rushing attack. We said we like it, and we do like it, folks. Deontay Foreman, leading uh, rusher here. 22 rushes, a ton of rushes, 108 yards. Fantastic. Then Dontrell Hilliard, nine rushes. Once again, running back by committee. They were getting the rushes here. 32 throws by Ryan Tannehill. And so far, we have 31 rushes between Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard. And we still got one, one more running back to go over. So Dontrell Hilliard, nine rushes for 49 yards. And then Jeremy McNichols, six rushes for 26 yards. So overall, folks, we had 30. Hang on, let me do this quick math right here. 37 rushes, 30 two passes. Then we also had Ryan Tannehill rush the ball five times for 18 yards and he got into the score. Once again, Ryan Tannehill in the red zone rushing wise is maybe the best thing Ryan Tannehill does for the Titans overall, but they've got to get inside that red zone. All right, who was Ryan Tannehill slinging this ball to? We had Nick Westbrook, a keen leading receiver, four catches, 32 yards. Chester Rogers, four catches, 30 yards. Deontay Foreman, two catches, 27 yards. Jeremy McNichols, three catches, 25 yards. Anthony Fersker, two catches, 19 yards. And Dontrell Hilliard, four catches for 10 yards. No Julio Jones, no A.J. Brown. I get it, but we still need Ryan Tannehill to step it up. And then for the Steelers, the offense didn't look that much better. They squeaked out the win because the defense was just forcing takeaway after takeaway after takeaway after takeaway. And the Steelers were not giving up the ball. They did not lose any. So that was really the main difference of the game here. Ben Roethlisberger didn't do anything great, folks. He went 16 of 25. For 64% completion percentage, but only for 148 yards. Dink and donk. No touchdown. No pick. Najee Harris only ran the ball 12 times for 18 yards. They were not doing anything offensively, rushing or passing. So nothing great here by the Steelers. No buyability into the Steelers. I know we bet on them last night, but we're still not buying into this team. We probably won't bet this team for the rest of the year because we can't rely on their offense. It was just a game day gut feeling. We thought they could squeak it out. We only had to swallow a point and a half. That's basically just calling the winner. Steelers were at home. That's what gave us confidence. But if they're facing the Cardinals, well, maybe I shouldn't even say the Cardinals. We'll talk about that game when we get to it. They lost to the Lions. How unfortunate. But if they're facing the Patriots or the Colts or, you know, the Chiefs or the Packers or the Rams, of course we're never betting the Steelers, even if they're getting 25-plus points. No way. So nothing great here by the Steelers rushing or passing attack. Who was Ben Roethlisberger trying to sling this ball to? We had Deontay Johnson, leading receiver, five catches, 38 yards. Pat Fryermuth, four catches, 37 yards. Shout out to Pat Fryermuth. That man is so good. Rookie tight end out here, folks. Running of uh, tight end of the year. Probably won't win it because Travis Kelsey is just going absolutely manic. But, you know, that's given. But shout out to Pat Fryermuth, folks. Absolutely great tight end. Four catches, 37 yards. James Washington, three catches, 36 yards. Zach Gentry, one catch, 17 yards. And somehow Chase Claypool, no catches for 12 receiving yards. Riddle us that. Uh, so the Steelers get the win, 19-13. to 13. No buyability. We're not buying the Steelers. We're not buying the Titans. Uh, just two not good teams that have maybe decent records. 9-5 for the Titans. Obviously, that's a good record, but that's not a good team. It's all coming from Derrick Henry. And then the Steelers at 7-6-1. Man, man, man. 
Alrighty, next game up here, Jets at the Dolphins, and I saw y'all on Twitter real early in this game when the Jets got up 10-0, and all the Tua slander was coming, folks, and I knew it was coming, folks, that Tua slander real early in this game, because y'all can't help yourselves on the Tua slander, y'all just slander and slander and slander, one bad thing, slander, 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 Tua's trash, he's trash, he's small, he gets hurt, he can't throw, no big arm, he's left-handed, he's trash, he's trash, not accurate at all, which is one of the most inaccurate statements you could ever say about Tua. Uh, so I saw y'all clown Tua, and I'm not saying Tua had the best game. He made uh, one bad decision, and that was the first interception. Just didn't see the defender. Interception results in a three points, and now the Dolphins are down 10 nothing. But what does Tua do? And y'all don't give him any credit or any respect for this, and I don't get it at all. Y'all love quarterbacks that maybe put up okay stats but lose. Y'all love those quarterbacks because... With those quarterbacks, it's everybody besides the quarterback for why they are losing. But for Tua, who's accurate as heck, and then comes back and wills his team to wins, y'all don't give Tua any credit for that. Tua is a winner, folks. He wins games. He wins games. He looks good while doing so as well. Y'all don't y'all don't see that or say that, but he still does look good during the wins. He makes one or two boneheaded plays every single game. That second interception, not a hundred percent his fault. It was a comeback route that the defense uh, the defense just read it perfectly. Maybe Tua shouldn't have thrown it, but at the end of the day, it was just the defense reading Tua's eyes the entire way and made a great play on the ball. Not a hundred percent on Tua. The first interception was a hundred percent on Tua. That was the one big boneheaded play by Tua. And we're going to watch this man on Wednesday because, once again, I got to show y'all because y'all just don't watch or don't want to believe or just want to, you know, play the play the narrative game that two is not good. But we'll show you on Wednesday, folks, our Wednesday film study show. This man was slinging the ball around and was looking immaculate, really all game besides that one boneheaded play. But the Dolphins get the win uh, here, 31-24. to 24. Uh, Tua was looking good for the majority of the game here. No Jalen Waddle, and he still gets it done. His number one target, folks, Jalen Waddle, no go with the COVID-19, and he still gets it done. Kyler Murray has no DeAndre Hopkins, and he forgets how to play football. He forgets how to play the quarterback position here, folks. Not Tua, and y'all are still actively knocking Tua. What sense does that make, folks? It makes no sense to me. And it drives me absolutely crazy watching y'all talk, folks. It drives me absolutely crazy. But let's get to the game here. Dolphins get to win 31-24, and this is a classic Jets game. They started decent in the first, ha uh, first half, touchdown on the first drive. They get the interception. They cash in. They get three points. They have to punt on the next drive, but then they're right back at it with the touchdown, and they only had a punt on two of their drives in the first half. They put up 17 points, feeling good, but this is ex exactly what the Jets have been doing the last couple of weeks of what we've been seeing, folks, putting up points in the first half and then going ghost for the rest of the game. Now, you do see that the Jets put up seven points in the second half here, but that was Tua throwing the pick six, the comeback route that was jumped by the defense, good read by the defense, not a terrible throw by Tua. 
So, the only points that the Jets put up in the second half came from the Dolphins' offense. It came from the Jets' defense, folks. This is not Zach Wilson in this offense being good. A complete full quarters of football. So, once again, we're still not buying this Jets team or the Jets' offense or Zach Wilson or anything like that. Uh, this Jets team is exactly what we know. And I swear, this Jets team, you know how, like, teams um, prepare, like, 10 plays they script 10 plays so like the first drive first drive and a half maybe first two drives are all scripted everyone's kind of on the same page and then you have to make the in-game adjustments I swear the Jets just study 25 to 30 straight plays and then after that they're like I don't know. What do we do? Oh, does anybody know what play to do? Should we just start recycling all the plays and going from the batting order from top down again? That Because this Jets team does not look good uh, after they kind of run out of those scripted plays. They don't make the needed adjustments at halftime so that speaks to Robert Sala a little bit Zach Wilson as well so once again this Jets team is exactly what we know of it uh, not changing heading into week 15 not a good team overall Let's start here with the Jets since we're talking about him. Zach Wilson, not a great game overall. He went 13 of 23. 13 of 23 for 60% completion percentage. I will give him 170 yards. That was solid on 13 completions. Most of it came on like those first two drives, though. Uh, no touchdown, no pick. You got to do better than that. He also fumbled the ball and lost it. Let's see where this uh, fumble came by Zach Wilson. Uh, start of the fourth quarter. Fumbles the ball, which results in a Dolphins fumble as well, which results into a punt by the Jets, which results into the pick six of the Dolphins, which resulted in the touchdown of the Dolphins to win the game. So that fumble by Zach Wilson set off the chain of events for the Dolphins to win the game. So once again, Zach Wilson actively hurting his team and helping the opposing team of winning the games for the opposing team. Not great by Zach Wilson out here. Uh, so nothing great by Zach Wilson. We've got to see something by him. I mean, these final three games, we've got to see him take a step. Uh, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, they've got to do something here these last three games. Put something together. Something that you've learned. Take the entire season of what you've learned and do something these last three weeks. You've got to show us something or it's going to be a long off season for them at takes by fans. I'll tell you that. All right. Rushing game. Was that good? It was all right. Uh, everybody was trying to get into the rushing game here. Tevin Coleman, eight catches for 50 yards or uh, eight rushes for 50 yards. Michael Carter, eight rushes for 18 yards. Austin Walter, two rushes, 12 yards. Zach Wilson, four rushes, 12 yards. He scored a touchdown. And Braxton Berrios, two catches for 10 yards and a touchdown. Braxton Berrios making some fantastic plays here that really kind of helped the Jets and allowed them to put up, you know, kind of 24 points. It was really all on Braxton Berrios. And once again, we'll watch uh, a lot of film from this game on Wednesday and uh, show you what we mean from all that. But uh, who was Zach Wilson slinging the ball to? We had Jameson Crowder, leading receiver, five catches, 40 yards. Ryan Griffin, two catches, 39 yards. Tyler Croft, two catches, 35 yards. Braxton Berrios, one catch for 26 yards. Trayvon Wesco, one catch for 19 yards. Keelan Cole, one catch, nine yards. And Michael Carter, one catch for two yards. 
All right, the Dolphins in Tua now. What was Tua looking like slinging the ball around? Tua went 16 of 27, folks, for 59% completion percentage. Not the best by our man, but overall, he gets the job done. He puts up 31 points. No points in the first quarter, but he gets it done. Throws a pick six. What does he do? Next drive, touchdown. Gets the winning touchdown drive. He's just a winner. He puts every mistake behind him, and he gets it's the win, and that's the most important thing in football, getting the win. Win, 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 and two is a winner, folks. Y'all are gushing over Daniel Jones, who can't win. Y'all are gushing over Zach Wilson, who can't win. Y'all are gushing over Sam Darnold, who cannot win. But when it comes to Tua, he's garbage. He's the worst quarterback of all time, and he never should be in the league. Where is the logic, folks? He's a winner, and he gets it done efficiently more times than not. So, 59% completion percentage, nothing great there. 196 yards and 16 completions, we give him credit for that. Two touchdowns, two picks. The one pick, like we said, 100% his fault. The first one, the pick six, just a great route, uh, just a great read of the route there by the corner of the Jets, so we give him credit. So, overall, not great optically, but he got the win, and he led the team down after all those mistakes and got the win. That's the most impressive thing. All right, Duke Johnson, leading rusher here for the Dolphins. Big surprise coming out strong here in his first showing here for Miami Dolphins. Duke Johnson, leading rusher, 22 rushes for 107 yards and two touchdowns. Miles Gaskin, coming off of COVID-19 list just in time for this game. 10 rushes for 54 yards, and then Tua taken off seven times for 19 yards. We do not like Tua rushing at all. He is not a dual-threat quarterback. He is not fast at all, but he still likes to take off every now and then to prove he still got it, and he delivered a hit here. He, he took off in the middle of the open field and delivered a hit, and I had some respect for him for that, so we give him credit for that. All right, and that who was two was slinging the ball to, not having his number one wide receiver in Jalen Waddle. Devontae Parker, leading receiver. And once again, having Devontae Parker, folks, is big here for the Dolphins. And Devontae Parker is going up and catching these great balls thrown by Tua. We love to see it. We'll watch it on Wednesday. Devontae Parker, four catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Isaiah Ford, shout out to Isaiah Ford for getting it done consistently here for this game as well. Three catches for 51 yards. Mike Kosicki finally coming back and looking like the classic. Mike Kosicki, we all know and love. Five catches, 43 yards. And then Duke Johnson, one catch for 20 yards. So the Dolphins get the win. Tua puts all the mistakes behind him. And the Dolphins get the 31-24 win. All right, next game up here, and the biggest surprise of the week, folks. Absolutely, hands down. And this is definitely affecting our team taste the taste in our mouth of this Cardinals team folks getting blown out by the Lions 30 to 12 folks 30 to 12 and this is bad by this Cardinals team they get kind of you know beat by the Rams and then they get kind of shaken this looked like a shook Cardinals team get going on the road and getting absolutely obliterated here by the Lions 30 to 12 no great consistent offense for the entire game and then you let 
let Jared Goff drop 30 points on your head while looking efficient as heck. This may have been Jared Goff's best game of his entire career, folks. Are y'all ready for these Jared Goff numbers? 21 of 26, only five completion incompletions, folks. That's 80% completion percentage. I think this is Jared Goff's highest completion percentage game. Let's quickly take a look at these numbers, shall we? We can get them up quickly here. Jared Goff, career stats. What was this man looking like uh, completion percentage-wise? I want to say this was as high as 80%. So here we go. We're going to rattle off all of his games. Completion percentage for his entire career, folks. Are you all ready? We're going to go through it quick. Here we go. We're looking for 80. That's what he just did last game. Here we go. Jared Goff's career completion percentage numbers. Here we go. 54, 62, 43, 58, 52, 45, 65. That's his rookie year. We all know that's those are absolutely garbage numbers. Year one, first full year. 72, 58, 78, very close. 58, 46, 52, 59, 63, 67, 62, 65, 67, 61, 66, 57. Not the greatest uh, first year by the man. All right, here we go. Year three, 54, 75, 80. There it is, 80. 80% on 36 throws, three touchdowns, one pick. That's his best game so far. Let's uh, keep it up here. Rattle him off here for the rest of his career. Here we go. Then he goes 78, 71, 50, 75, 54, 70, 71, 63, 51, 45, 66, 79. Very close there. And then 57. Uh, then the following year, 58, 67, 63, 66, 59, 54, 59, 54, 53. Oh, my God. 61. That's seven-game stretch there. Absolutely atrocious. 61, 70, 74, 70, 64, 58, 64. Two more seasons. Here we go. 64, 74, 71, 78, 70, 50, 69, 57, 72, 76, 61, 78, 64, 64, 55, 66. Is this this season? This is this season. Here we go. This season. 66, 72, 73, 63, 60, 66, 61, 73, 56, 84. He had 84? When was this? Against Chicago? Oh, boy, I didn't know he had another 84, his best game of the season a couple of weeks ago against Chicago. Still resulted into a loss, 84% completion percentage on 25 throws. So, you know, you know, not letting him, you know, do it all and, you know, control the flow of the game and all that. Lower him to, like, under 30, per, uh, or under 30 attempts, he could get the job done. So, Jared Goff, 21 of 26. 80%, fantastic. 216 yards on 21 completions. You know, right on the borderline of Dink and Dunk, but we'll give him the credit for it. Three touchdowns, no picks. Yes, sir. Andy didn't fumble. Yes, sir. Clean, flawless game here by Jared Goff. Sheesh, sheesh. You love to see it. Now, can we expect something great from next week by Jared Goff? Let's go back to this 84% completion percentage game. The following week, he threw 60% on 41 throws, but they got the the win so I guess we give him credit maybe we should bet on Jared Goff next week we'll keep that in mind Alright, rushing game here for the Lions. Craig Reynolds comes out of nowhere for 26 big old carries for 112 yards. 26 throws by Jared Goff. 26 rushes by Craig Reynolds. Balanced offensive tack here. Maybe the Lions finally have it figured out, folks. This is the last four weeks, the last quarter of the season, regular season, and the Lions looking like the best team? 
Interesting, interesting. All right, who was Jared Goff slinging the ball to? We had Amara St. Brown. And look at this man truly being consistent here uh, these last couple weeks, making a name for himself. And we'll see if the Lions keep him as kind of like a number one wide receiver come next season. But Amara St. Brown, eight catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Josh Reynolds, six catches, 68 yards and a touchdown. Khalif Raymond, two catches, 20 yards. Shane Zleistra, one catch, 16 yards, and Godwin Igwe Buki, two catches for 11 yards, enough to get it done. All right, and then for the Cardinals, just nothing looking good by this team, and a la la lot of bad taste in our mouth here for the Cardinals, and it's truly like ever since uh, Bill Belichick complimented Cliff Kingsbury, and Cliff Kingsbury was like, "No, you know, you're the best coach of all time." Uh, you know, you know, kind of going back and forth like that. Ever since then, the Cardinals have been floundering. So, Cliff Kingsbury, get your act together, please. All right, Kyler Murray goes 23 of 41. What do we got here? 23 of 41, 56% completion percentage, atrocious. 257 yards, we'll give him a little credit for that. One touchdown, one pick, nothing great there. Fumbled the ball, but didn't lose it. Colt McCoy gets into the game for nine throws. He goes six of nine for 56 yards. That doesn't help the offense either. All right, rushing game, and they had Jay Chase Edmonds and James Conner back, but you know nothing really that great. It was okay. Chase Edmonds, six rushes for 53 yards. James Conner, eight rushes for 39 yards, so close to 100 yards, but just not really sticking with the run and staying with the run. And You know, you did get down a little bit. Bad, you know, 17 nothing heading into halftime. Um, out of halftime, the Cardinals score a field goal, and then the Lions fumble, and this was their chance to kind of take over the game. But then Kyler Murray throws an interception, and the Lions score the touchdown, and then all that momentum that they almost had to come back all was kind of taken out the window, and that was the game. So Lions hold strong, win 30 to 12. And then after the game, Cliff Kingsbury says he's, quote, pissed. The Cardinals got, quote, outcoached and out, quote, played by Dan Campbell and the Lions. And that's never anything a respectable head coach should ever be saying, uh, that they got outplayed and outcoached by Dan Campbell. No disrespect to Dan Campbell. Uh, maybe he's grown on us a little bit, but it's Dan Campbell and the Lions or the Cardinals. Come on. So... Cardinals get blown out here 30-12, to 12, and uh, I don't know, man. This makes me rethink about the Cardinals differently, folks. We'll see what we do with them in our power rankings come tomorrow. Alrighty, next game up here, uh, Panthers at the Bills here, and we needed the Bills to win in absolute dominating fashion, and the Bills won in not really dominating fashion. They won 31-14. to The Bills struggled in the first quarter, 0-0 at the end of one. Then in the second quarter, they got it together a little bit, 17 points, but then for the rest of the game, 14 points, 7 points in the third quarter, 7 points in the fourth quarter allowing the Panthers to potentially hang around a little bit. And if Cam Newton was just good, not even great or fantastic or spectacular, if Cam Newton was just good, uh, then the Panthers could have probably won this game. So the Bills, folks, 100% bad taste in our mouth, even with this win over Carolina. 
We need to see this was our official pick. Bills minus 25 and a half. We didn't care about the original spread of Bills minus 11 or at game time, Bills minus 14. We needed it and still liked the Bills minus 25 and a half. And uh, a little unfortunate, they only win by 17 here. So we don't hit the bat. We don't cover. And the Bills don't just and really just don't have that dominating win that is making everybody feel at ease of the Bills and kind of making everybody buy back. Back into this Bills team. So this is not going to be a great final three weeks here for the Bills that they, you know, still struggled a little bit against this Carolina Cam Newton-led quarterback team. This is nothing great. Um, so, all right, let's... Uh, Start talking about some numbers and stats here. Let's start with the Bills since they got the win, but did it look good? Let's find out. Josh Allen goes 19 of 34. Ooh, 55% completion percentage. Holy moly, 210 yards, nothing great. He did have three touchdowns, one interception. Let's see where this interception came by Joshy boy. They're up 14-0. He throws an interception, and Cam Newton takes advantage and scores a touchdown uh, off of that. And in the second quarter, making it 14-7 at the point, and then the Bills go down and score a field goal right before halftime, making it 17, actually 17-8. I forgot they went for the two-point conversion and got it. The ultimate flex by Carolina and Matt Rule. Hey, we're down 14-0. We just got a touchdown. Yeah, we're going to go for two. We're going to go for two points here and assert our dominance. The Panthers came to play, and like I said, the Bills only up 17-8 at halftime. Game really could have went either way. The Bills are lucky that the Panthers Panthers are trash offensively and really are sporadic moving the ball like we know. Once again, stop betting the Panthers. Even if you took the Panthers plus 14, you still lose. Stop betting the Panthers. Getting all those points with this Panthers team is not good value at all, folks. We've been telling you for the last month. Stop betting the Panthers. Please, for the love of goodness, do not bet a single penny. I don't even care if it's a penny to win $20 billion. You bet one penny to win a billion dollars on the Panthers plus 30 points that is still a waste of money do you understand folks okay stop betting the Panthers so Josh Allen, nothing good. The interception could have potentially hurt the team big bad. Uh, so nothing great there. Rushing attack, well, we finally got a little something. Devin Singletary, 22 rushes. A little bit of sticking with the run game. So that's the only green flag and silver lining we are taking out of this Bills game overall. Devin Singletary, 22 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown. Josh Allen took off three times for 24 yards like we know he can do. All right, who's Josh Allen slinging this ball to? We had Gabriel Davis, leading receiver, five catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns. Dawson Knox, four catches, 38 yards. Cole Beasley, four catches, 35 yards. Stephon Diggs, four catches, 35 yards, and a touchdown. And Devin Singletary, one catch for 10 yards. All right, now Cam Newton in the Panthers. Did Cam Newton look good? Uh, well, we all know the question to that, folks. Of course not. Of course he did not look good, folks. He's not a good quarterback. It's unfortunate. Stop betting the Panthers. Will you please, folks, stop betting the Panthers. All right, here we go. Cam Newton goes 18 of 38. Sheesh, yikes, 47%. Is that the lowest we've seen so far today, folks? And whose bright idea was it to have Cam Newton throw the ball 38 times? You didn't get down really that big, that bad, that you had to stop the running game. And Chuba Hubbard was really good running running the ball. We'll talk about his numbers in a second here. But can we stop with Cam Newton throwing the ball, folks? 
156 yards on 18 completions. That is dink and dunk to a T, folks. One touchdown, one interception. Classic Cam Newton. His interception came on the final drive, you know, so we're not going to weigh it too much, you know, came with a minute and a minute left in the game down, you know, 17 points. That's three scores. So the interception not really coming into play here by Cam Newton. All right, the rushers here, Cam Newton leading rusher, no surprise here, 15 rushes by Cam Newton, 71 yards and a touchdown. Cam Newton uh, did fumble twice, but didn't lose any of them, so lucked out there. And so, you know, the Bills minus 25 and a half. If, you, if the Bills get those fumbles, maybe they cover the point spread. So once again, our thinking was on point, just unfortunately didn't come to fruition. All right, so Cam Newton led the team in rushing, and then we had Chuba Hubbard, eight rushes for 40 yards. Why are you not rushing him more? That's five yards to carry. That's fantastic. Keep up the rushing game with Chuba Hubbard, but they didn't do that. So nothing great there. Matt Rules, not a quarterback or just an offensive guru or anything like that or a good coach or anything like that. Still, Matt Rule not getting it done. And then who was Cam Newton slinging the ball to? Well, we had Amir Abdullah, a running back, leading receiver, four catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown. DJ Moore, six catches for 48 yards. Robbie Anderson, three catches, 29 yards. And Brandon Zleistra, two catches for 17 yards. But the Panthers still come up short here. They lose 31-14, to get blown out. And uh, once again, stop betting the Panthers for the love of everything holy in the world. Stop it, folks. All right, next game up here. We've got four more games. we got to go over these a little bit quickly to end out the show. So here we go. Next game up, Bengals at the Broncos. And, you know, just a nice defensive battle here. And these are two solid teams that are going to be a hard out in the playoffs if they do make the playoffs, right? You know, both in the seeding, in the mix and all that. Bengals at eight and six, Broncos at seven and seven. Just overall, they've got good offenses that can, you know, kind of get it done, you know, here and there. And these defenses that can lock up, and that's exactly what we saw yesterday. Just a good defensive battle. Bengals get the win here, fifteen to ten. We advised y'all to stay away from this one, but we did kind of like we were leaning towards. We didn't officially take it, but we were leaning towards just taking the points with the Bengals plus the three, and that turned out to be the right decision. So just a good defensive performance all throughout. Um, really just kind of what, one, two touchdowns scored the entire game. Everything else was just field goal, field goal, field goal. So, uh, Bengals get the win 15-10. Teddy Bridgewater got knocked out of this game and ended up getting taken to the hospital. Here we go. He gets taken. He gets uh, out of the game at five minutes left in the third quarter. Broncos are down 9-3 here. Let's watch Teddy Bridgewater. He's going to kind of take it off, take off with it here right up the middle. It's second and five. He's diving towards the first down, and he gets taken down, but his helmet gets driven into the ground, and he does have a concussion, gets taken to the hospital, just released today so he's all good but now in concussion protocol so Drew Locke takes over and immediately he scores a touchdown and that's the great Drew Locke that we all know and love can get that touchdown but then what do we know he's up and down he's 50-50 with the touchdown we're bound to get a turnover and on the very next drive we get a Drew Locke fumble at the Bengals 9 yard line folks unfortunate and that really just turned the tide of the game Broncos weren't able to get in a scoring position for the rest of the game and the Broncos lose because of that Drew Locke fumble so we're still not wanting Drew Locke as the number one quarterback here in Denver we don't believe he is the answer here 
So, uh, you know, cool it with that kind of narrative like, oh, Drew Locke scored a touchdown. The only one to score the touchdown for the Broncos. Yeah, he also fumbled the ball so and lost him the game. So what's up with that? All right, let's start here with Teddy Bridgewater first. He went 12 of 22 in his time at 54% completion percentage, 98 yards, zinking and dunking and resorting back to that Teddy Bridgewater that we know and don't love. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater did not fumble the ball, thank goodness. No interception, no touchdown. All right, then we get Drew Locke, 6 of 12, 50% completion percentage, 88 yards, a touchdown. He fumbled the good with the bad, classic Drew Locke. So just nothing great there by the Broncos. Rushing attack, what was it like? We had Javante Williams, 15 rushes for 72 yards. Melvin Gordon, 15 rushes for 53 yards. So, yes, running back by committee here of the Broncos. That is what we love. Unfortunately, they couldn't really get it done and do anything meaningful and impactful. They only put up 10 points. All right. And then who are these two Broncos quarterbacks drawing to? We had Albert O. Okuwungabunam at the leading receiver. I've got to figure out how to pronounce this man's name, folks. I apologize. Uh, but uh, leading receiver, three catches for 58 yards. Noah Fant, five catches, 57 yards. Tim Patrick, three catches, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Love seeing Tim Patrick out there. And then Cortland Sutton, two catches for 12 yards. And Cortland Sutton should never only have two catches for 12 yards, folks. Get that man more involved in the offense. He was targeted seven times. Get that man more accurate passes, please. And then for the Bengals, once again, just, you know, getting locked up a little bit by this Broncos defense. That's what it was, a good defensive struggle all throughout. Joe Burrow goes 15 of 22. Uh, 15 of 22 for 157 yards, not really dinking and dunking, so we'll give him a little credit. He threw 68% completion percentage. We give him credit for that. One touchdown, no interception, and he didn't fumble. So once again, solid overall game by the Bengals, taking what the Broncos defense gave him. Uh, rushing game, Joe Mixon tried his damnedest, seven rushes for 38 yards, nothing that great. And then Samaji Piran, four rushes for 35, or 30 yards, and then Joe Burrow taking off five times for 25 yards. Who was Joe Burrow slinging the ball to? We had Tyler Boyd, five catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. T. Higgins, two catches, 23 yards. C.J. Uzama, two, three catches, 18 yards. And Samaji Piran, two catches for 13 yards. Jamar Chase, four targets, one catch for three yards. He's getting kind of clamped up a little bit these last couple of weeks. People figuring out his running and all that, locking him up. We've got to see kind of Jamar Chase reestablish himself and uh, you know reassert his dominance here these last three weeks. We'll see if he can do it. So, so uh, Bengals get the win, 15 to 10 over the Broncos, and we'll see if Teddy Bridgewater is good to go for next week. He is now in concussion protocols, like we said. All right, last three games here. Uh, next game up, Falcons at the 49ers, and I gotta, you know, give a little bit of a uh, moment of silence to a bad beat this week. So let's take a little bit of a moment of silence for a bad beat, folks. All right, bad beat. Um, the one and only uh, father of takes by fans, if you will. Man, oh, man, he had it over 46 points here, and it was all looking good, folks. 31-13 to 13, heading into the fourth quarter. All he needed was a field goal on a five-lag parlay, folks. All four lags up until this game were good to go in the 1 o'clock window. This was the only game left. He was riding on the over 46. It was at 44 in the fourth quarter. All he needed was a field goal. The Falcons get into the red zone and they decide to go for it because they're down a lot. 
and they don't get it. It's a turnover on downs. And then the Falcons get back into the red zone. And once again, they don't kick the field goal. They go for it on fourth down, and they don't get it. And there's no more points scored for the rest of the game. So that's how it goes. Man, oh, man, it's looking like it's going, and then it doesn't. And that is classic betting, folks. A moment of silence for that. Truly unfortunate. Alrighty, but the 49ers get the win here, 31-13, and once again, Jimmy Garoppolo gets it done, wins the game, efficient, all of that, so once again, I don't mind Jimmy G, folks, and all that, so these last four weeks are truly going to determine Jimmy Garoppolo's fate here in the 49ers, and we'll also see what he can do in the playoffs, but so far, he's winning games and being a huge reason why they are winning games. Jimmy Garoppolo goes 18 of 23, folks, 78% completion percentage. 235 yards, slinging it around, one touchdown, no pick, he fumbled, but didn't lose it, Jermichael Hasty fumbled, he lost it, and he fumbled it right on the opening drive, and uh, once again, the Falcons turn over on downs, fourth and goal from the one, this team does not get it done in the red zone, why do you think they would get it done in the red zone on fourth down, when the, the, the most pressure's on you, Matt Ryan does not get it done in the red zone, we all know this, we all know this, but here they are, uh, passing up free points, if you're the Atlanta Falcons, you should be writing thank you notes for every time you get in into scoring range and be blessed and thankful in taking all those points that you can get. Falcons were passing up points left and right. So Jimmy Garoppolo got it done. Fantastic. Rushing, rushing attack got it done as well. Jeff Wilson, 21 rushes for 110 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo can't get it done all by himself. He does need a little bit of a rushing game, but that's like 90% of the quarterbacks in this league, folks. Yes, we know Jimmy Garoppolo's not uh, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's saying he is, and there's only three teams with a quarterback like that. So odds are your team does not have a quarterback that can single-handedly win you the game by himself week in, week out, year in, year out, over tw 10 to 20 years and winning Super Bowls along the way. There's only three quarterbacks that can do that anyway. So Jimmy Garoppolo is serviceable. He can get it done. They're 8-6. and six. They're right back into the thick of it of the playoffs. And I think uh, this 49ers team is going to be a really, really tough out um, in the playoffs. So I still give Jimmy Garoppolo all the credit here, folks. Debo Samuel got six rushes for 29 yards and a touchdown. Love the kind of you know shakeup of the offense a little bit. All right, and then who was Jimmy Garoppolo slinging the ball to? Well, no surprise here. George Kittle, leading receiver, six catches, 93 yards. Debo Samuel, four catches, 60 yards. Brandon Ayuk, one catch, 36 yards. And Juwan Jennings, three catches for 28 yards and the touchdown. All right, and then for the Falcons here, just once again, not getting it done in the red zone. That was the biggest disappointment by this Falcons team on what we know about them. Matt Ryan is decent, decent from the 30 to the 30. Not even the classic 20 to the 20, folks. 30 to the 30. After that, you've got to sub in a new quarterback, folks, honestly. So Matt Ryan goes 19 of 32, 59% completion percentage, nothing good, 236 yards, I'll give him a little credit for that, one touchdown, no picks, he fumbled and lost it, trash, let's see where this fumble came from, very first drive of the third quarter, second half, he fumbles the ball, it results into seven points for the 49ers, that's what we're saying about Matt Ryan, folks, absolutely one of the unclutchest quarterbacks in the league. Uh, the rushing game here for the Falcons, nothing great. We had Mike Davis leading rusher, six rushes for 21 yards. Matt Ryan took off five times for 20 yards. And then, you know, Jem Cordell Patterson got locked up here, 11 rushes for 18 yards. That's 1.6 yards carry, folks. That is absolutely abysmal. 
All right, who was Matt Ryan slinging the ball to? And this is what I loved, man. Russell Gage, eight catches for 91 yards and a touchdown. He was slinging it to Russell Gage, and that connection was great. Exploit that, um, exploit that matchup even more. We know you haven't had Calvin Ridley for the last, like, two months here, and now you finally get Russell Gage acclimated to kind of wide receiver number one. Why did it take so long? Damn. But it was great all game. We may shut that out. We may shut out Russell Gage on Wednesday uh, film study because these passes here between Matt Ryan and Russell Gage floating it up for him to go and get it. He went up and got him and we're looking good really consistently throughout the game. Uh, then we had Kyle Pitts, four catches, 77 yards. Olamide Zacchaeus, two catches, 53 yards. And that was really it. Cordero Patterson, two catches, 50, uh, five yards. So 49ers were locking up Cordero Patterson, and that's all you need to do to beat this Falcons team, and that's exactly what they did. So 49ers get the win, 31-13. to 13. All right, and then we get the, we're going to go through these last two games quickly here. Packers at the Ravens. Ravens go for it on two, or go for the two-point conversion on the final drive. They don't get it. That would have resulted into the win. They don't get it, so the Packers get the win 31-30. to But John Harbaugh being aggressive, we've seen this before against the Steelers, didn't pan out, they lose. So, you know, in a close playoff push in the AFC, John Harbaugh is being uber aggressive with game on the line decisions, playoff implication decisions, and for that, I think he's getting a little bit too big for his britches out here for this Ravens team. Uh, you know, trust your defense. It's It got it done. You had all the momentum. You had an onside kick, all that to even, you know, make the game this close. So, I don't know, man. I thought you kicked the extra point there, but he went for it. Doesn't get it. He's truly living and dying by it. So, I guess I've got no problems with these coaches still going for it after they see the failure. They truly believe in it. And who are we to say that their belief is wrong, right? Also, this is not a great look for our man Lamar Jackson because Tyler Huntley is coming in here and looking like a little bit of discount Lamar Jackson, but still discount Lamar Jackson is still right here winning game or almost winning games against one of the best teams in the league. So is Lamar Jackson truly that special? I think it's starting to come into question a tad, folks, a little bit of a tad. But here we go. Tyler Huntley goes 28 of 40, folks. 28 of 40. That's 70%. That's really solid. 215 yards, which is dink and dunk, which is what we know this Ravens passing offense is anyway. He had two touchdowns, no picks, didn't fumble the ball. Then he also had 13 rushes for 73 yards and two touchdowns. So four touchdowns by Tyler Huntley by himself. Rushing, passing, great numbers. Leading rusher, leading passer like Lamar Jackson is. Putting up 30 points. Uh, ball in the hand. At the very last drive, going for the two-point conversion to win. I mean, that's exactly Lamar Jackson. So now this is starting to come into question. Is Lamar Jackson actually good? We're going to have to take these last couple of weeks and in the playoffs to truly make that decision, and then we'll see what happens to that narrative in the offseason and all that, folks. So it's not going to be a good couple of months here for Lamar Jackson in the national media, I don't think, folks. All right, and then who was Tyler Huntley slinging the ball to? We had Mark Andrews, 10 catches for 136 yards and two touchdowns. Exactly who Lamar Jackson throws the ball to. So exactly, exactly the same quarterback probably, folks.
And then we had Aaron Rodgers, who went 23 of 31, slinging the ball around fantastic, 74%, 268 yards, not digging and dunking, three touchdowns, no picks, didn't fumble, all around great game with Aaron Jones, 13 rushes for 58 yards, and A.J. Dillon, seven rushes for 22 yards and a touchdown. Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, leading receiver for the Packers, five catches, 98 yards and a touchdown. But the Packers get the win 31-230 because the Ravens went for the two-point conversion. And then the last game of the night, folks, the Saints at the Bucks and Tom Brady gets shut out nine to nothing. And actually, the Tom, uh, you know, Tom Brady loses to the Saints team every single time when he was the Buck. When he, since he has become a Buck, folks, the Saints have beat the Bucks four times over the last two years. So we're not going to weigh this loss that heavy because you know, just the Saints have Tom Brady's number. But once again, Tom Brady with the multiple turnovers, he had a fumble, he had an interception you know we're seeing this a little bit more here about Tom Brady and if he has to face the Saints in the playoffs I don't know if Tom Brady can you know win the game now Tom Brady did beat the Saints in the playoffs there so once again this is you know why we shouldn't be weighing this loss too heavy because even you know losing against them in the regular season and throwing these multiple interception games and multiple turnover games he still gets it done when it matters also the Bucks didn't have any of their players everybody just kept getting injured and injured and injured and injured uh, Leonard Fournette got injured last night Chris Godwin got injured last night Mike Evans got injured last night and we know Antonio Brown wasn't playing because that was his last game of his suspension but because of all these injuries Bruce Arian says Antonio Brown will rejoin the team and all that he paid his dues so uh, we get Antonio Brown back for the Bucks this week that uh, Tom Brady's definitely going to love having back but Tom Brady, nothing good all game, couldn't score any points, no touchdown, one interception. He went 26 of 48, folks, 26 of 48, 54% completion percentage, 214 yards, zinging and dunking, could not do anything. Rushing game, Leonard Fournette got a little banged up, nine rushes, 34 yards. Ronald Jones led the team in rushing, eight rushes for 63 yards. And then for the Saints, Taysom Hill did his thing, 13 of 27, nothing truly great there, just under 15 per, or 50%, 13 of 27. We get 48% there. Nothing good. He had 154 yards. No touchdown. No pick. He ran the ball 11 times for 33 yards. Leading uh, rusher. Alvin Kamara 11 rushes for 18 yards. He couldn't do anything. And then finally we get Marquez Callaway, folks. Leading receiver for the Saints. Exactly what we wanted to see. Nine targets. Six receptions. 112 yards. Finally. Let's see if the Saints team can keep that up here and try to get their rushing game a little bit more involved so we can get more than nine points here. But starting to see some nice glimpses here. Liked what we saw from Taysom Hill. Just played good game manager. Defense carried the game. Saints took advantage, and they win nine to nothing. We're buying Taysom Hill. We're buying Marquez Callaway. We're starting to maybe buy the Saints offense a tad more. They get the win nine to nothing over the Bucks. Alrighty, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Let's quickly see, is our gut calling anything tonight, folks? Is our gut, game day gut, calling anything? Raiders, Browns, Browns still hovering at the plus three mark. We're going to stay away from this. Way too many COVID cases, and we don't get uh, Baker Mayfield back. We don't get Case Keenum back. So it's, who's the guy? It's, uh... 
Um, Nick Mullins getting the start. We're not betting plus three on Nick Mullins, folks. And then the game tonight, Vikings at the Bears. Vikings minus six and a half. Bears plus six and a half. We're not going to swallow any points for the Vikings. That's never great value. And we can't believe or rely on the Bears. We're down big bad this week betting. We're not going to overextend our game day gut until it means nothing. I mean, this game day gut, folks, it's true. It's 4-0, four, four folks, over the last two weeks. So we're not going to ruin it here. There's no great value tonight. I think we're staying away from betting in the NFL and in the NBA. Let's take a day. Let's see what happens here and maybe come back tomorrow when there's two games on and get right back on track. So that is going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We're back live tomorrow around noon Eastern, uh, breaking down the games today. We'll update our power rankings, do our NBA Daily 10, and anything else that we need to talk about, we will talk about. Alrighty, that is going to do it for us. Does not seem like anything is breaking. Oh my God, and even Kevin Stefanski is not coaching tonight. And that's exactly, all right, now we've got our game day gut. No Kevin Stefanski, we're taking the Raiders minus three. That gives us our game day gut, game day gut bet, folks. That makes our gut feel good. Having Nick Mullins without Kevin Stefanski coaching because he just got caught, got caught with COVID-19. This was eight minutes ago. Jo folks just breaking we are taking the Raiders minus three Raiders on the road with this Browns team no identity offensively Kevin Zafanski is the only one that is truly I think holding this offense together and it's not even good because maybe the quarterback and all that maybe but uh no Kevin Zafanski that is the tipping point for us to finally declare Raiders minus three a good bet we are officially taking that Alrighty, now we are going to be out of here. That is all the breaking news. That's why we kind of, you know, look last second for breaking news, folks. That's all we needed to see. That is all we needed to see. Alrighty, folks, we are out of here. We are back live tomorrow. Make some money tonight if you're feeling confident. We can't give you any solid endorsements besides Raiders minus three. Uh, so we are out of here, folks. Enjoy the games tonight. It's going to get started in a couple of hours here. How great is that? Man, oh, man. Alrighty, folks, we are out of here. Stop betting the Panthers, please.